Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And as always, we have a special guest today. Emery, would you like to introduce her? Yeah, our special guest today is Brittany Pike. She, so I've got, <laughs> there's a couple ways I can introduce Brittany. Uh, the traditional way would be that she uh, lives here in Louisville, but she moved from Monterey, California in 2008, I believe. Uh, um, Town, yeah. Oh, she in moved to Elizabethtown. Town. Yeah, but she, she Monterey, moved, California. She moved that. to E-Town in 2008, but lived in Monterey, California before that. And now she works, what was the job title uh, again? Wor- oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. Um, workers' Compensation Claims Adjuster. Workers' Compensation Claim Adjuster. Um, so that's the traditional way yeah. I can introduce you. But she actually told me a story recently that was really fascinating that I think, I think honestly, you should introduce yourself this way all the time. So there's a bar that's in Louisville. Well, it's not here anymore. It's called Freddy's. And it's kind of a seedy dive bar. And apparently, so what happened, Brittany? Can here you explain? Downtown, oh, we yeah. can like see it from the studio. <laughs> yeah, from the studio, it's pretty close. But now it's no longer a bar. Now it's right. a chiropractor's <laughs> office, yeah. which is really weird. Freddie yeah. switched into a different profession. <laughs> right, exactly. He's probably like, I've had enough of that. Moving on. Um, no, I moved from Elizabethtown up to Louisville in 2008. And I actually lived at the St. Francis Apartments right across the street from the bar. But I moved there in the winter, so not a lot of stuff was, like, open at the time. Um, And my boyfriend at the time had suggested that we go over to Freddy's. And um, like you were saying, Emery, it's a very seedy dive bar. Um, You know, bottled beer, three types of spirits, that was it. Very dark, uh, you know, fun, fun crowd in there. Um, But we went in on just, like, a Monday night and wasn't a lot of people. But I was sitting on a bar stool and... This gentleman, who I did not know, was sitting right next to me and uh, said that he liked the extra baggage. So I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, what is he talking about? I don't have any luggage like around me. And he was like, no, you're behind. I like it. And like gave it a little smack. And so just, you know, I had uh, quite a few shots of tequila at that point in my system. So just decided to clothesline him and uh, got kicked out of the bar. So that was my first experience like three yes, days into Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Louisville. I wish that I could say that I've responded to similar situations in that way. Yeah. Because we were talking before the recording about how like, just like guys don't grope people in bars just don't even if you're walking past them even if your excuse is that it's crowded and you're walking past them and you just want to do a quick lower back touch just don't instead i don't know hold your own hands right or uh call a friend yeah (laughs) if you're feeling lonely give yourself a hug you know grab somebody (laughs) because you might you might get hit yeah you might get clotheslined yeah yeah. Ridiculous. So we know not to mess with Brittany. <laughs> yeah. Because she will close line us. No, which I'm is... the sweetest person now. <laughs> you just have to, yeah, she stands up for herself. Exactly. So which good, I think that's trait. more interesting of an introduction anyways, because you can always talk about, okay, oh, there's their job. Yeah. And they've got mental health stuff going on, you know, yada, yada, yada. But if you got like, I close line somebody at a bar three days into coming to Louisville, <laughs> like that's way more interesting. Yeah. So. Yep. Oh, that was that's an introduction in my early 20s for sure. I can't remember. I've been kicked out of a bar before, but I, it's been so long. I think it was like in my early twenties when it happened and I don't even remember what I did, which is a great sign mm-hmm. for <laughs> my alcoholism. Yeah. What did I even and do? <laughs> I just remember being really like baffled by it and like, then just like angry. 
that I wasn't allowed in the bar anymore. It felt yeah. like rejection. It felt yeah. like the biggest type of rejection. Yeah, it's like, a stab in the heart, like an emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have to. So we have to tell business though before we get yeah. into everything. That's you know that's my thing. Uh, so we are two nuts in a pod. You can listen to us. You're listening to us right now at 106.5 Forward Radio. You can find us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services: Castbox, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast. And you can find us on social media. Facebook is Two Nuts in a Pod with the two spelled out. And Instagram, because it's cooler apparently, is Two Nuts in a Pod, but with the number two. I'm hip. I know what the kids are doing. I know what the kids are looking for. <laughs> they like the number. They like the number two. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Not of an influencer. And then you can also email us anytime, day or night, 24-7 at Two Nuts in a Podcast at gmail.com. And we will answer in a timely fashion. Yep. And that's it for business. Ruby, that was fast. Good I'm job. I'm pretty good at it. Very good, very good. So our first segment <coughs> is a little segment we call How Are You For Real? So the idea is like when somebody asks how you are, usually people kind of have like BS answers. They're, usually you just, the polite thing to do is just say like, fine, how are you? Or like, I'm okay, how are you? Can't complain. But um, guess what? At this radio show, we can always complain. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. Oh, I got lots of stuff to complain about. Um, so we actually want to hear those complaints, grievances, and the good stuff, too. We want to hear the good stuff, too. Um, but, you know, we're honestly asking, when we ask, how are you for real? We're just, we really want to know. We want to know yeah. all the details. No. So now I'm going to ask you, Emery, how are you for real? I'm good. <laughs> no, I, uh, more? I, more. Uh, yes, yeah, so he wants more. I am doing pretty well. Uh, I uh, just got a cat recently. His name is Floyd. He is a one-year-old black cat with a little white belly. He is very friendly and affectionate. I adopted him a couple weeks ago, and we just hang out all the time. I take pictures of him. So I never thought I'd be one of those people that just takes pictures of their cat, but like, I've become one of those people who just takes pictures of the cat. I have so many pictures of him just sleeping. And I think there's I haven't even seen a picture yet. Oh, well, I'll show you. There's there's like a joke about like what would cats do if they just like looked at our phones and just found so many pictures of them sleeping. They would run away. <laughs> be like this is a serial killer. Can you imagine killer. any human finding that and be like what is wrong with you? Uh so I take a lot of pictures. They're like of... a lot of these are when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I take a lot of pictures of Floyd. He is very entertaining. He was introduced to catnip yesterday, and uh, he f really flipped out over that. He really likes the little laser pointer, and he follows me from room to room. He does his little, little little pat on the on the floor, and he just follows me, and it's really, really cute. So I'm really happy to have him. And then things in life are pretty good. It's winter. It's cold, so I'm happy. I love when it's like miserable and dreary and dark and gray that brings a lot of happiness and joy to my life and the misery of others uh, yes a lot people are they're like oh it's so cold i'm so sad i'm just like oh well now i'm happy it's a little totally normal right uh so yeah things are pretty good i can't really complain about anything i am a little anxious about starting i start a new job um i'm a little anxious about that because that starts tomorrow for me and, uh, you know, it's a little bit of an imposter syndrome where you're just like, I have, do I know anything? Like, <laughs> do I have a brain? Like, I don't know how to do anything, but there's a reason they hired you. There's a reason they were like, we like this guy, Emery. I, I always feel like I've tricked people into liking me. I'm just like, how do you like someone like me? It's like, you're, you're, you find me interesting or smart or funny or whatever. I'm just like, I must've 
somehow tricked you and done a really good job of it, but I guess they like me, so. Um. Oh, and that's a big thing is, like, personality for hiring. It's, like, even if you feel like you are going to have to learn a lot on the job, like, they hired you because you're the right person. Yeah. Right. Like, they they were screening for a certain personality, and they liked what they saw. You know, because it's, like, one thing that I really learned you can't take for granted in the hiring world, uh, I've like I've been on some hiring teams before, is just that like, it's really hard to find people who aren't just like super weird. <laughs> but there's just a lot of weirdos yeah. that you end up interviewing. So when you find someone that like doesn't have a personality disorder, you're like, sweet. Yes, yes, please. This is not to like discount your. <laughs> so you're not a total weirdo. You're just, just right. right. I worked. I worked in the tent pool long enough that like I saw the weirdest that Louisville's um, working oh population goodness. has to offer. I could not even imagine. Yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, there were a lot of characters. But the 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 executive director was like, oh, like I was looking for someone that really. I feel like I can connect with and work well with. And so I guess I fit that mold. So I'm happy about that. So yeah, just a little anxious. And it's just weird after I've been at my current job for three and a half years. So transitioning out of that and that just is, it'll be a different environment. So it's, you know, I'm a little anxious about that, but I'm excited too. You know, everything like I got a new job. I got a new house. I got a cat, you know, lots of good things, lots of things happening, especially like during 2020, and things, especially early yeah. in the summer, really sucked for me, and I really struggled. So knowing where I am now is very, is just like rejuvenating. And yeah. I, I told someone recently that I was like, this is the happiest I've been all year. And, well, and you just went through, like, are going through major life changes. Yeah, I'm going through very major life changes. That so. usually are, like, triggers for people. Yeah, they didn't trigger me at all. I yeah. honestly, like, felt strong. <laughs> felt stronger. I'm stronger now. No, I felt, I just, I felt rejuvenated and it was like something that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, these changes need to happen. You know, stop worrying about other things that aren't that important and focus on things that really matter. And, you know, getting the house was like establishing roots here. And then getting a new job was, you know, something to challenge me and to build my happiness. And just all this stuff is really, really great. And like, even the cat, I was like, I missed, I grew up with pets as a kid and just haven't had a pet in so long. So it's just you know really nice to have a little little furry friend, little buddy, little, little buddy. buddy. <laughs> and he's got his first vet appointment in two days. I was kind of nervous because he's developed something on his chin. Oh, so hope he's okay. Oh, I, honestly, I heard you talking about that, like an abscess yeah. or something. Yeah, I think it's probably just an abscess. I, I have like so a worried. cat that I've had for years and years. I, that was the most worried I've ever been. I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like, I, I don't, you know, I, I care about things, obviously. But I was like, I am like so worried about his well-being and making sure he's happy and comfortable. And he just seemed like the most chilled out cat ever. Yeah, so they're little fur babies. My little fur baby. So don't ever, like, you will have the moment where you bring him to the vet for something totally stupid. Because just being an animal person, this is just what's going to happen, yeah. is that you'll bring them in, and at some point you'll be like, okay, you just told me what I already knew. Probably didn't need to do a whole appointment about this, but you're scared, and they're your little babies, and so it's it's all good. But yeah. an abscess is worth having checked out, for sure. And my house flooded. Because they can drain it, or... That was sorry. That's totally different from the cat. But yeah, wow. and again, you're doing great. Yeah. yeah. So this is the two the two things for me. The two things I noticed. One was that whenever something bad happens, how do I respond? And I've noticed that my response time to like 
recuperate and be okay is faster. So I'm just like, I'm getting through things quicker. And then I find that I'm like more like of myself of being like more silly and goofy and playful. And that's like a sign of me is I'm very much those things. And when I'm not like that is like I'm struggling. And I've noticed both lately, uh, recently, <laughs> lately, <laughs> lately, recently, whatever. Uh, and that's been really nice to see. So I've seen that progress happen and it's been really great. That's awesome. So like the meds and therapy are working for you. Yeah. Meds, therapy, time of the year, processing things, d- new changes, all that stuff is really helping. And I hit a, I hit a milestone for running. I've been, we talked about that, Brittany, where mm-hmm. I, was, I was running, uh, I decided to just run all the time because I was like during quarantine, what the hell else am I going to do? And I lived, I used to live in an apartment building downtown. So it was like, just go outside and run. And I surpassed a thousand miles of running. And that was a big, pretty impressive, big little accomplishment. So that's told me about that. That's awesome because I never check Facebook. Yeah, and I only I only use Facebook. I don't use Instagram. Even though for my new job, I think I have to get Instagram. It terrifies <gasps> me. Yes, come to the dark side. <laughs> and I think it's I have so to get. I think I have to get Twitter too. Like I don't even know what to do on Instagram. You have to like followers. Like what does that even yeah. mean? Yeah, it's just you know, different social media platform. Twitter, yeah. you'll Twitter's like the, it. There's Twitter's a lot of the real dark side. I feel like you go into some wormholes. Yeah, like conspiracy theories and Instagram, stuff. Instagram, you can like follow people that like are social justice oriented. Mm-hmm. You would love it. You, okay. you can just get yeah. It's like um. I'll get over Facebook it. with more, but with more active users and more pictures. Right. Yeah, because that's the thing. I would always get upset where I was like, my friends on Facebook would just have like photos on Instagram or things that on Instagram. I was like, what? Where is this? Right. I didn't see it. Yeah. There's certain accounts and I feel like tags and stuff too that you could definitely look into and I mean that would basically once you start following that account or whatever like it just kind of goes into your feed and algorithm and all of that too so it won't be so painful. I've been on Instagram for a long time too Mm -hmm. and I just I'm still like a ghost I do not have a lot of followers because I just don't post enough. I recently I had put like privacy settings on it so that people had to like request to follow me mm-hmm. and then i realized that i had so few friends that i should remove that <laughs> so that i can encourage more people because i for some reason care that i have like so few followers so i like removed the the privacy yeah. the privacy thing i did it for a bit because there was just a situation where somebody who had had a bad falling out with was like following me for multiple handles that were all like clearly him. Yeah. And it was like, um, this, yeah, we're not doing this. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. But I think I'm out of the woods with that now. So, and I just need friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody's looking for a friend, Lizzie, Lizzie's in search of some yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah. Like, so be joking about being an influencer is a complete ridiculous <laughs> notion. I have like, I don't even know. I'd have to check how many followers, but it's it's definitely in the hundreds, not in the thousands. Oh, gotcha. Well, in the low hundreds. So, aside from not having any friends, how are you for real, Lizzie? Um, I am okay. I today is my first day of quitting smoking. I, sh- I would show you guys my patch, but it's like really buried under sweater and long sleeve shirt. Is it like those Nick Rep patches? Or, yeah. Or is that the gum? Which are expensive. It's like the first week of treatment was like 28 bucks. Mm-hmm. But then I usually spend, I would get three packs of American Spirits in a week. Yeah. So it's actually about the same as yeah. I would spend on cigarettes. I'm just not killing myself right. now. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to do, there's like an eight week treatment for it. 
and I had I realized when I was reading the like smoking cessation booklet in the thing that I bought the um I just got Walgreens brand of like the um whatever br- the brand name is Nicoderm patches um and you're supposed to like ahead of time start to um start to try to cut back start to try to recognize your triggers and say oh okay i'm feeling a trigger to want to smoke right now so i'm not going to so instead of doing that i had like this holiday season i had what i called like my rum springer with smoking (laughs) where i just smoked anytime i wanted and as much as i wanted like when you're lighting one cigarette with the next cigarette kind of thing it was very like but leaving Las Vegas, like, for cigarettes right, <laughs> is what you should picture and me as Nicolas Cage. Um, and so <laughs> coming off of that holiday, uh, I was really anxious about starting today. Um, but I significantly cut back the last, the last couple days, and then I did the patch today. So this is my first day without any cigarettes. And it's it's weird. It's just like... The cravings only last a few seconds, which is nice, Um, but it makes me think about how much space cigarettes were occupying in my brain, Mm -hmm. and now thinking about what's going to fill that space. Like, I was already much more productive today than I usually am. When you have cigarettes punctuating every activity, you just get less done. Yeah. And actually, one of my problems with COVID, one of the reasons I picked up smoking again during covid was because i needed something to fill my day honestly it was like the days are so long so it's been my little buddy during covid like to have cigarettes but um i i think i was just i'm at the point where um i've been doing it for a while i know the longer i wait the longer it's the harder it's going to be to quit so um plus i've got like my older sister just had a baby. My younger sister's pregnant. I'm kind of starting to feel my biological clock. I'm like, I need to start taking care of my body because I'm about to be 35 this year. And got to start paying attention to this crap if I want to poop out a baby at some point. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's that. my motivation is kind of like, one, to just not be controlled by something. Like, it just... I feel like I'm so controlled by cigarettes all the time that it just, you feel like a junkie. Yeah. Like it, it really does. I don't know how the way my brain operates compares to like someone who's addicted to heroin, but like, I just know that cigarettes were getting me out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. and were just a huge crutch for me. So, uh, yeah, good riddance to that. We'll see. I will be reporting back every week on how mm-hmm. this journey is going. Um, I'm sure I'll have some slip-ups. I even tried today. My husband is quitting, too. Um, nice. And he's been smoking for several years. Yeah. So, And he's not using the patch. Uh, he's going cold turkey? He's going cold turkey. He finished Ooh. He finished his last cigarette like a couple hours ago, and I like stuck my head on the porch. I was like, can I just have one jar? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. Okay. <laughs> um, and he was like, it's my last one. I was like, all right, we're doing this. But um, we had a great time visiting with family. Usually my social anxiety gets really bad um, over the holidays because there's just like a lot going on. But we just had like the immediate family got together. We did like a fun, like virtual Yankee swap with um my brother's fiance's family because they were supposed to come and just didn't feel safe doing so um 
and yeah, it was just great. It was like, uh, I was shocked how low my anxiety was for the whole break, even though I was like with people all the time. And that was like a big thing for me to show that maybe my therapy is starting to help with the social anxiety. Um, I've been doing weekly therapy now, uh, for a couple months and have felt like I've really, it's been clicking and I'm seeing someone I like and I'm actually seeing changes. I'm seeing that I'm not, even when I do experience social anxiety or like what I identify a lot as embarrassment is that I just have this big fear of embarrassment, but I'm finding that things that would be embarrassing for me in the past that I'm recovering from them more quickly and that the therapy is helping out with that and like the mindful self-compassion and all that good stuff. And while you were gone, you had a cat sitter. I did. And I think, and it was me. And I think you said I was the best cat sitter you've ever met in your life. Probably. Right. Yeah. Well, now I know who to go to whenever I need one. (laughs) This guy knows how to cat sit. I felt completely secure leaving my kitties in your, your capable hands. Yeah. Yeah, I did. A, I did a really good job. It Brennan, was you and Brennan, or just yeah, you? Brennan. Brennan helped too. Brennan's my housemate. He uh, he came over and helped a little bit. But it was mostly me. So let's be honest. He's so. like, give credit where credit's due. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's me. Yeah. yeah, we took our dog with us to Virginia, which was nice. She did very well on the road trip, and everybody was fawning over her all week. So now she's just like missing. All of the extra human attention. Yeah. She is. Yeah. That was the difference with going to your house was like, she's so pumped up to see anyone. But I always felt like it was just me or whatever. So she was so pumped up to see me. So like when you go into the house, there's just like three cats. You're just like, all right. None of the cats are like <laughs> greeting you or they anything. They just kind of like, roll their eyes at you. Like, like, whatever, yeah, exactly. man. Just feed us. <laughs> is, this, is this my Postmates that I ordered? <laughs> just leave it. Go. How long are you going to be here? <laughs> So, yeah, I'm good. That's good good to hear. Can't complain. Really. We both said we can't complain today. That's weird. That is weird. Usually we can complain. We're not as curmudgeonly as normal. Hopefully our guests can complain. Yeah. (laughs) So, Brittany, how are you for real? For real? Um, I don't know. You know, honestly, um, I'm one of those people that, oddly enough, even with anxiety and everything at the beginning of COVID, for some reason, uh, you know, I had my moments, but I, I actually was thriving. And then, um, you know, there was like a paradigm shift, I guess, around like the end of November into December. But the last few days, honestly, have just there's been like a colossal shift and everything where I've just like started these new therapy tactics of, you know, you can't control things that are around you, but you know how that is with anxiety. That's not going to help the situation whatsoever. So, um I've been trying this new tactic of of like, okay, maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't, you know, or Mm -hmm. trying to incorporate humor into uh, my day to day and stuff. So, uh, you know, just taking it day by day and just trying to, uh, you know, be more gentle on myself and mindfulness and compassion and stuff too. So, yeah, but for the most part, yeah. Yeah. And I'm also trying to start a new job. So the anxiety of that, um, I have really bad travel anxiety, uh, we'll get into that later too. Um, but yeah, I suffered from agoraphobia for a while. And so that was really hard, um, through the years and stuff. I mean, I have gotten so much better about getting further and further and wanting to travel and stuff. Um, fortunately COVID kind of put a big Nick in that this year. So I wasn't able to, you know, do as much traveling as I wanted to, obviously for safety reasons. 
Uh, but other than that, like I'm just trying to focus on that into the new year and just work on goals little by little um, and just be more gentle on myself and everything and just understand that, you know, we're all we all have flaws and we all have anxiety in some way, shape or form. And just to keep it moving how you can. So. What is is agoraphobia? Agoraphobia is, um, so it's, it's a panic disorder. So you basically are scared of leaving your home. Uh, I think it's derived like from the Greek word, like, um, Agora, I think is like the market. So mostly like grocery stores or places like that, like you're in there and then all of a sudden it's just too much going on and Mm. you just develop this fear where you're like, okay, I don't want to be in that situation ever again. So I'm going to do whatever I can to avoid that situation. And eventually it becomes like every little detail, you know, I mean, from walking down the street to the grocery store, like you're scared if you, you know, hypothetically wouldn't make it back, what would happen? And, um, you know, it just kind of confined me to my house for a long time. And then also whenever I was able to kind of get out of the house, it started to develop into just being stagnant and staying here in Louisville. Mm -hmm. Like I was scared to even cross the bridge, you know, to go to Indiana. That's Mm -hmm. how bad it was. But, um, I mean, I have branched out, I have traveled, I've been to Chicago. I can't tell you how many times plan on going to New York, uh, you know, when Florida is safe and not a gigantic mess, you know, I I wouldn't mind going down there um, and traveling abroad eventually too. So that's been like my big goal this year is just to be mindful of that and get it done. So life's too short. Nice. Well, there's, I was going to say one thing about COVID, I think, is that it's made everyone have to prioritize their mental health Mm -hmm. in a different way. Oh yeah. I think usually our culture is teaching us to put it on the back burner and just like perform. Um, But people have had to realize that performing in our lives looks a lot different now. Um, And we can't really keep the same level that we were doing before. Right. Like that. It's just not possible. Everything's different. And so, yeah, I think it has turned into this feeling of like, you need to, like accept your own whatever is going on in your brain like accept it and work with it instead of just like shoving it down right yeah i've been trying this new thing too um you know tapping into like uh you know i this probably sounds really like hippie-ish or whatever but tapping into like a new vibration like trying to create my own reality you know um the distractions of everything else that can help me like anticipate an anxiety attack or like a panic attack or whatever i'm just like trying to make sure that i just create my own happiness around me and i think that like focusing on that has also taken away like anytime i feel one coming on i just kind of channel all of my energy and like you know thoughts and everything into that and i mean that's been very helpful for me so far so nice yeah. uh so Brittany is going to tell some of her mental health story. Um, So, Brittany, what kind of inspired you to want to come and talk about your experiences? Um, I just feel like, you know, whenever I first started noticing symptoms or started having panic attacks and stuff, um, the worst thing that I felt at that moment in time was feeling alone and feeling like no one knew exactly what I was going through. No one knew exactly how I felt and how scary it was. And I mean, you kind of feel like you're losing yourself at that point. 
Um, so whenever you have a connection to other people, I feel like it's nice to hear what their experiences are and how they've had some fallbacks, setbacks, um, you know, some things that have worked for them, therapy, medicine, holistic, you know, I mean, just, I feel like if you have somebody there to kind of tell you a little bit more about them themselves then you don't feel so alone. So that kind of, you know, Emery and I were talking and it sparked my interest and that too. Um, I think that mental health needs to be a forefront and of a lot of topic of conversations. I feel like more people are coming out and talking about it and, you know, it just shows that we're, we're all going through it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I know that you've got like, you kind of prepared and yeah. like have a sense of what you want to talk about today. So like, what has your your journey to mental health awareness looked like? So when I was little, um, I never had anxiety attacks or panic attacks, um, but I was known as like a nervous child. Like I was a nail biter, I mean like horrifically. And um, you know, whenever I would talk to my parents about stuff, they were like, okay, yeah. And I'd be like, it's just my nerves. It's just my nerves. Never in a million years would I have ever, you know, thought that that would have had anything to do with how I, you know, go into adulthood at all. Um, so it was definitely undiagnosed for a long time, I feel like. Uh, but then going into my late teens, you know, I was partying a whole lot. I think that um, honestly doing drugs <laughs> a lot uh, kind of shifted how, you know, serotonin levels in my brain and it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, when I moved up to Louisville, actually, it was probably 2010 was the first time I really noticed the first panic attack. And um, there was a couple incidents before that where there was just something that was unexplainable that was happening. Uh, both times it was when I was in the backseat of a friend's car. Hmm. Uh, one time I felt like so claustrophobic. There was like four of us in the backseat. And it, I had I like crawled over people to get out of the car. I was like, I have to get out of the car right now. I can't breathe. I don't know what's happening. And then uh, another time we were in the car wash and like the car wash was just kind of going around us, you know, I mean, who has not been in a car wash before? And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of the car right now. And I just remember those two instances like so significantly because that had never happened to me before. Hmm. Um, the big moment where I first had my massive panic attack, I actually was a server at Hard Rock Cafe, which, you know, say la vie, they're gone now. But um, they, uh, you know, I was a server there for a few years and... I, uh, you know, out all the time partying and drinking and I had like a hangover, but there was nothing that like a kid's cheeseburger and like a Coke wouldn't fix back then for me. You know, I was just like, <laughs> all right, I just got to eat some food, drink a Coke. I'll be fine. Could not get it together. Got really sick, got really dizzy, thought I was having uh, honestly like a heart attack because I had never felt anything like that before. Never heard of anybody feeling like that before. So my best friend came and picked me up and we went to the ER and they told me that I had vertigo, and that was like a loss of hair in your inner ear, which causes dizziness and all of the symptoms that I was feeling at the time. Something inside me told me that that wasn't what it was. You know, I was just like, no, that's not what it is. But I took a few days off and, you know, just tried to forget about it. Um, then I had a little bit of free time, and I started Googling all of that. And I think that it just kind of spiraled out of control there. And then I went in this big shift of career choices. I actually worked at Oxmoor Toyota. Uh, for quite some time. I was a receptionist and I had quite a few panic attacks at that time. Um, in fact, Emery and I have talked about, you know, loving cold weather. That's when I learned that 
it's hard to have a panic attack when it's cold outside. So mm. anytime, you know, that like if I was a server or anything like that, I would literally go into like the cooler or the walk-in and try and calm down if I knew I was having a panic attack because that was the only thing that was going to help at that point in time really so yeah. it's like grounding technique i guess yeah, yeah yeah it's just it's easier to breathe um when it's hot i feel like it's just so much harder to like catch your breath and to really like you know bring your focus in instead of just like everything like kind of spiraling out of control for you um yeah it's it's a weird thing but ever since it was just it's one of the guys that worked there he immediately noticed what was going on with me and uh, like we're talking about in the segment, just having somebody there that knew what what was happening felt so much better. Like I just didn't feel like I was like losing my mind at that point in time. Um, yeah, but that was a big shift. Like you know, going from serving to like you know a clerical uh, you know assistant position, and I was also I was a receptionist. Um, and then I don't know. I think that just the continuation of drinking and everything else going on. Um, it just kind of stayed stagnant at that time. Like, I was just really anxious to go out or travel or anything like that. Uh, the next big one was um, my group of girlfriends and I, we went to Chicago. And I didn't realize that traveling was going to be a big issue at that point in time. <laughs> but we uh, we got past Indianapolis, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, boy, here comes one. Like, I can feel it coming on. So I just stayed quiet in the backseat of the car, and we got into Chicago Got into our hotel downtown uh, where it's parking and stuff. And we met up with some friends that were up there. Um, and I mean, like, I, I, the only way I knew how to cope with it because I wasn't medicated was to, like, heavily, heavily drink. So I, like, drank so much that night. Mm. And the next morning we were supposed to go to the spa and, like, have a girls' day and stuff. And I mean, like, I walked with the girls downstairs to go get some food. And I, all I could even think that would help me was, like, chips and guacamole. I was just like, I, I don't know what to do, you know? So I got stuck in the room, and I was in there for, like, five hours. By myself, there was a marathon of people, like, running around. So it was really loud downtown, you know, Chicago. And buildings all around, like, I couldn't really see anything. Um, I had a friend that lived uh, somewhere in Indiana, and, um, you know, I was so panicked that I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm going to have to get a cab. I have to get out of the city. I have to get back home. I was going to be dropped off in Gary, Indiana. Like, that's how desperate I was. And he was going to come from, I think it's Mumford, Indiana, Mumford, or I, I'm not sure exactly where. But, I mean, it was going to take him, like, an hour and a half to get there to Gary, Indiana. And I was just going to be sitting, you know, wouldn't have helped at all. But that was, like... I felt like I had to get out of there at all costs. I couldn't get a hold of my friends because they were in the spa. And it was just, it was the most frightening thing ever that I've ever had to go through. Um, they finally came back and they were like, oh my goodness, like what is going on? Because I had the room down to temperature, like I think it was like 60 degrees. I had it as low as they could like allow it and stuff. And I was just laying there in the bed. And so, um, you know, they just coaxed me out of it. We went and saw some friends again, um, and then, like, we, when we made it home, I was just like, okay, that's it. I am never going back to Chicago. Like, I can't. I can't step foot outside of my house. I don't want to leave Louisville ever. Like, it was horrible. So that was, like, the whole, like, agoraphobic thing with, like, traveling and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, that panic attack, I think, was even worse than the first one, to be honest with you. Um, just because, like, I couldn't escape the situation, and I couldn't get back to my safe place, which was my home. Yeah. And not only was I not just, like, 20 minutes down the street, I was hours away at that point. So it wasn't like it was a hop and a skip. I had to wait. And not even that, I had to wait, like, two more days 
to get back home because we were in the hotel for that long. So it was excruciating, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, that's not like that's such a trigger for my anxiety and for panic attacks. Mm -hmm. It's like being in a situation I can't escape from. Exactly. When usually there is an escape, it's just it's going to cause some inconvenience for several people. Exactly. But yeah. you think, especially me being a people pleaser, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So then I end up being in this situation where I feel stuck. Yes. And then it's, and it starts. It yeah. worsens so much. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And that I felt bad for my girlfriends because uh, that's what I wanted to do. I even told them, I was like, look, this guy's going to come and get me. And Oh, it was Muncie, Indiana. I don't know why that just like popped in Muncie, my head. Yeah. Muncie, Indiana. I was like, I don't know what Mumford is, but I, I imagine that's yeah, in Indiana. It sounds good. Yeah. I was like, Mumford, Tennessee? I think that's where that is. But um <laughs> Yeah, so he was going to come and get me, and he was going to drive me all the way back to Louisville. I mean, that's how desperate I was. Uh, that guy's name was Dave, honestly. He was such a help through the five hours. I couldn't imagine staying on the phone with somebody who's panicking like that for five hours. So to this day, like, you know, I'm very grateful for him. But, um, yeah, it was just one of those things, like, I just was like, uh-uh, nope. And then having to stay there two days, and they went to the aquarium. I kind of got lost in the aquarium. <laughs> so yeah. then I'm, like, looking over, like, is the Lake Michigan? Yeah, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, where are they? Like, having a panic attack again. It was just, it was not a fun experience. And it just made me terrified to go into any major city, which... When I was little, I loved to do. And my family being a military family, we traveled all the time. So it wasn't ever an issue before. So it was very odd to me that that all of a sudden was something that my anxiety like, like latched onto. Mm. So, And you had like that cluster too, like having a cluster of panic attacks yeah. when all you can blame it on is the location mm -hmm. i could see how that could like get in your head it's yeah like, okay, it was really weird yeah being away from home is not safe yeah uh i think that you know it kind of stayed that way for a while um and then in 2015 for the first time in a long time i went to cincinnati which is only hop and skip away like i can drive there by myself now which is miles away from what you know i mean that was only now six years ago but that was unheard of at that point in time and Made it to Cincinnati, and then I also uh, went with a, a couple girlfriends down to Nashville. Um, both were a little uneasy, but once I conquered that, I felt so much better. And so for a while, like, I was on medicine for a while, and then I got off of it. And then in 2016, I don't know, it was at the very beginning of 2016, <laughs> but I just felt, like, this amazing shift. I started, like, going and, you know, practicing mindfulness, doing yoga, getting into physical, like, you know, activities and stuff, going to the gym all the time, um, drinking less, like, you know, just focusing on my goals and myself. And so I felt like I was on top of the world. I felt like I could do anything. And then uh, I think the next big segment that's kind of, like, gotten me all weirded out and stuff was just um, in 2016 I had this horrible experience where I think it was, like, that October. Something triggered me about death, and like the shift into the next afterlife, if there is even is one, uh, the finality of it and stuff. And that absolutely terrified me. So I had to get back on medicine because that was, I was just, I could not function like day to day and stuff. And I felt like I was just right again, back at square one. Like I was just like, what is going on? So that's like, you know, subsided a little bit, you know? And then I think like COVID happening also just like, that was like another wake up call. And the fact that it's still going on, um, even though I was thriving in the beginning, I think at the end of the year, I was like, well, this is the end of the year and we're, we're still here. We're still dealing with this and it's not good. So 
yeah but basically that's that's about the whole journey on that so there's been definitely panic attacks in between um but mostly things like traveling and new situations i, I you know i'm kind of like a cat i gotta acclimate you know like i don't i don't you can't just throw me into something like i'll freak out about that but yeah wow so like the agoraphobia you said that did influence you i think before we were recording you talked about how it actually got scary for you to leave the house. So yeah. How long did that time period last where um, you were afraid to leave the house? So actually, good question on that. So uh, that started, I would say, in the beginning of summers when I really started having those bad panic attacks. And all the way up until that winter, uh, my friend Kayla and I decided that we were going to move uh, houses. That was a huge shift for me. That was a huge change. I mean, like, I was scared to go down the street. I don't know if anybody remembers Cahoots, but that was a bar that, you know, was right down the street from us. I couldn't even walk to that bar. Like, I was so scared that I would get stuck or have a panic attack and I wouldn't be able to get back home. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, that was absolutely terrifying for me. But once I was able to do that, then, you know, things kind of got a little bit easier. Traveling to work was a little bit easier. You know, I was able to do that. Um, I, I still wasn't able to like cross the bridge. Like I hadn't been to Indiana for like quite some time at that point in time until I started dating a guy that lived in Charlestown, Indiana. So I kind of had to make myself go over to Indiana and I don't know, just like little parts of that, like knowing that those little milestones kept me going. And then that's just kind of how I was just like, all right, milestone by milestone. Like, I'm not going to just stay cooped up inside. I can't, I have to make a living. I have to pay bills. So I have to get out and, you know, do all this stuff, even though really I didn't want to, I wanted to stay in all the time and just hide from the world. Yeah. 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 Were you like unable to work for a while? Um, no, it wasn't so much that I wasn't unable to work, but I mean, when I talk about making up excuses to get out of work or to go home a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of that. Um, and you know, or I would just like have to sit there and just kind of like write it out and just have to like hide in the bathroom or something because I just knew I felt like it was written all over my face. So would yeah. you would you make up excuses to you said get out of work would you make up excuses to get out of like social situations or oh yeah i mean if there was somebody that was having a large party um you know absolutely i would avoid that um it depended you know like because i was such a bar fly you know i would go out to bars and participate in that but i had to be with somebody that had to know that like, if i had to leave right then and there like we have to go like i have to get back to my house like i don't i can't be here anymore so it just depended on like situation by situation but yeah the more larger the party or something like that the you know and i mean my friends that traveled all the time they would ask me to come along with and i would just have to decline and you know that's that was so sad for me just because i was like they're having so much fun but i was like nope not safe can't do that <laughs> like yeah. avoiding it at all costs yeah did you um ever i think you mentioned briefly medication mm -hmm. so at what points during all like that whole experience did you seek out like medication or therapy um i started medication in 2012 uh funny story about that i think that that's also kind of things that scares people with mental health um you know i'm a proponent of holistic you know ways of finding stuff therapy i think is absolutely wonderful um, unfortunately, some people just have to rely on medicine. That's what it's there for, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if it doesn't work out for you, that's great. If it does, great. 
So um, I got diagnosed. I was with a new doctor. <laughs> and I think, you know, he was just trying out some feelers. And he put me on Paxil, which was awful. Like, I had just, I mean, like, was completely zonked out and just, like, went down a completely weird manic spiral. Like, it was just not normally what would happen whenever I had anxiety attacks. Uh, and then I got off of that. And then I got on Lexapro, which was great. Um, so I was on Lexapro until about 2013. And then I got off um, from 2014, 2015 until the end of 2016. And then whenever that whole thing about like uh, fear of death, dying, the finality of life and stuff started like rambling through my brain, I was just like, all right, I got to get back. I can't. I can't focus. I can't do anything. So um, I got back on uh, Zoloft at that time. And that honestly was great. Like, I mean, it was it was absolutely wonderful. But um, now I'm on Wellbutrin, and I think that, you know, uh, I think I might need to go down on my dosage a little bit, but that's the thing with medicine. It's trial and error, and what yeah. might be a great fit for one person might be an awful fit for somebody else, so. And it does take a while, and it's hard to not get, I had definitely times where I got discouraged trying a lot of things that yeah. didn't work, um, especially in the past, like, year, because my anxiety and depression have been worse than they've ever been, and... Um, trying out things that didn't work was like even more discouraging because yeah. you're already feeling hopeless. But, you know, but from trying that stuff, you can get to a place where your symptoms are more manageable. Right. So it's like if it's bad enough for at least in my mind, like if it's interrupting the way that you function, it's worth just entertaining the possibility exactly. that medications could help. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, one of my best friends, uh, she is doing fantastic off of medication. I mean, she has her moments day to day, but um, she, she is traveling all around the country and, you know, she does that for her job and stuff. And yeah, there's certain things that are triggers for her that are definitely, you know, not for me and vice versa. But uh, her way of, like, holistically approaching it is just, you know, I mean, it's inspiring. I wish that I could do that. But I had to also be realistic with myself and just say, you know, no, I mean, I have to try it out, you know. So, I mean, even with Wellbutrin, I love it. But I think I need to go down a little bit on the dosage. And, you know, just you know, years of being into this. I mean, I'm going on year 11 now. And still, like, it's just trial and error through it. So uh, I have been reading a book <laughs> that I was telling Emery about. And, um, I mean, it's definitely given me some different ways, um, besides just medication to, you know, kind of follow through with stuff. Um, the biggest thing that has helped me is whenever I feel something coming on, which it does take practice, is just asking yourself, okay, maybe it will happen and maybe it won't. And if it does, that's fine. You know, what's the, you know, you're going to think of the worst thing that happens and then maybe that will happen and maybe it won't, you know? So I'm just like putting those that like taking like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. I'm going to pass out in the middle of this grocery store and everybody's going to stare at me. I have to go to the ER. Like, okay, maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't. And that's just like completely changed like the entire way that I like am approaching that too. But it takes practice, you know? What's, uh, the, what's the book? Um, oh my gosh. Uh, I can't say the whole thing. It's like VA ways to end anxiety and panic attacks. Um, you know, I, my friend, I had ordered it, uh, offline and I have just, you know, re try to reread it a whole lot. Uh, there's like a beginning of where, uh, you know, it really goes into depth of where anxiety begins in you. Um, what it is and how it relates to other people. And then it gives you like a uh, cognitive therapy, 
ways to approach it as one is coming on. And then, um, you know, it kind of goes forward in the future. Once you accomplish all that and you kind of get rid of it, it, it tells, I mean, like he'll tell you the author of the book that you're going to probably experience this down the long road again. Like it might not ever go away. There might be a long period of time where you don't experience it, but sometimes it has a way of creeping back in there. So he gives you ways of handling it in the future as well, just to kind of like eliminate and abolish it, which, um, you know, I mean, he's gotten amazing reviews on it too. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, can we say bad? (laughs) (laughs) What's the title? We, yeah, you can say the title and I'll just bleep it. Okay. I can't wait to be bleeped. (laughs) Yeah. So it's bad ways to end anxiety and stop panic attacks. Yep. A counterintuitive approach to recover and regain control of your life. Die hard and science based. Recover from anxiety and stop panic attacks. It's is the author Geert Vershave? Yeah. That, okay. I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name, but <laughs> apparently a good book. So. Yeah. No, it's it's a really good book. Um, it's interesting, you know, just to hear like his uh, testimonials, like people that have read the book, and um, you know how he's explained like there was this really old man like that was in his I think mid 80s that started suffering from panic attacks which I could not even fathom like in his late 20s could you imagine going through all of your life like that and he read through this book practiced a lot of what was in the middle of like the ways to approach it and kept practicing it and he was like after all this time I'm finally finally free of it so I'm just you know like that's that's one thing that might work for some people I'm not saying it's the end all to end all you know but you know just um, like I said it's just trial and error a lot of stuff um, being mindful of people around you and stuff too and like just realizing that if you are having an anxiety attack like you don't have to make yourself feel bad because of that too so that's a big that's a big thing whenever you were saying that like about your friends and stuff and you're just like oh, I'm stuck here like yeah. that that's a big thing you don't want to disappoint anybody but mm-hmm. you just have to be mindful of yourself and gentle with yourself too and just let yourself know that you're allowed to suffer from that it's okay yeah um did you ever get the diagnosis of panic disorder mm-hmm. yeah yeah i got diagnosed with agoraphobia um and then uh ocd a little bit and then uh also just generalized anxiety so uh not so much social or anything like that it was just kind of like day-to-day things that you know i mean anything was triggering heat <laughs> you know uh being hung over that you know that was all that's always been a bad one too so like you know just like trying to take care of your body listen to your body and you know it's telling you something that's wrong so mm-hmm. well thank you Brittany, for sharing your story and your You're mental health journey um we unfortunately are running a little low on time so we're going to move into our next segment which is gratitudes and lizzie can you explain what gratitudes is (laughs) yeah so for gratitudes we just share what we are grateful for or thankful for so it's just a chance kind of at the end of um discussing a lot of the things that go wrong and how we cope with those is just thinking about the things that are going right um and that having a gratitude practice you know something that you do every day can be really helpful when you're going through mental health struggles um because it just kind of gives you that hope and kind of helps you keep moving along. Um, I'm glad I asked you because you did a much better job of explaining that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Things you're grateful for. Let's let's go. (laughs) Like I, yeah, you did a good job. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So I was trying to think I can go first. Um, I am feeling really grateful for family right now. 
Um, I just feel like it could have been a really rough holiday. Um, but I think my family like really understands me and even my social anxiety. And so like, I tend to be a little less functional than others. Um, in my family, when we're on these like little vacations, like I don't tend to cook or run out and do errands as much or clean as much. Like I'm kind of in my own little like introvert survival mode of like, okay, I'm hanging out with people 24 seven, like just trying to preserve my own energy. And I'm just, it just kind of felt like everybody, it felt so seamless. Like everything was just being taken care of. It almost, it was nice. It was almost like I got a little inpatient stay out of it. <laughs> of like, yeah. You know, having other adults like, you know, cook for me and help take care of the dog and stuff like that. Um, so feeling really grateful for family. And I guess right now I'm just feeling grateful for my own ability to kind of like decide when it's time to make a change about something with the smoking. I think it's something I've been feeling bad about for a few months and I've been talking about, yeah, soon, soon I'll quit. But it's, you know, I think I did find, even though maybe I didn't go about it in the traditional way of like weaning off slowly, I think that I did find the point where it was like, I knew I just spent this time with family and made this goal and talked to everyone about it so it's like giving me extra motivation to like stay healthy because there's so many people like supporting me um as I go through this and I'm always just uh always grateful for my dog because she's the cutest she is pretty cute I mean it's a fact yeah it's the cutest dog in the world (laughs) oh I forgot that that is a new that's a fact actually Yeah. yeah yeah cutest dog in the world Phoebe Oh. Yeah. And uh, that's that's all I have for gratitudes. What about you guys? Uh, I would have two of them. Uh, one would be, I just am grateful for funny stories. Like whenever I just hear a story that I'm just like, wow, that is like, it reminds me of when I was in journalism and I would, you know, write for newspapers and I was like, okay, I need a lead. And like, when I heard your story about <laughs> Freddy's and clothesline some guy, I was like, that is the lead right there. Oh, like, my gosh. Yeah. That was like, if I was, like, writing a story, I'm just like, I could write such a good lead with that. And uh, so whenever you just have a funny, amusing story that's just different from, like, the day-to-day boring stuff, I'm just like, yeah, that's, like, that's like what makes a person real to me. <laughs> so I always like that. So I'm grateful for real, funny stories. And then I'm also grateful for uh, just, <laughs> this is a weird one, just to feel feelings. So I noticed that when I am particularly suicidal or really struggling is when I just become, and I've told you this before, Lizzie, become very numb to feelings. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're sad or anything. It's just like you just don't feel anything. Um, And now I just feel everything. So like, you know, when I was like watching Floyd, when I was, I was like folding laundry and I was watching him like get all cozy and stuff. I was just like, I have like such a feeling of joy right now. Or like when I was like thinking of my parents getting the vaccine, because, you know, that's a thing now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my mom said she's getting it in February. I was just like, man, I feel like such a, like, you know, that little like lump in your throat type of thing where you're just like so happy for people and like this is such a joyous moment. So you just start to feel all of those feelings. Or even like when something crappy happens, just knowing that like, man, this sucks. Like, damn, that was, that was rough. But like at least feeling it. So I'm grateful for that. Mm. Yeah, I want to like snap to that. that was yeah, good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I've got plenty of funny stories for you too. <laughs> Perfect. I I love them. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I'm I'm grateful for um, this year. You know, I just my uh, sanity. You know, I just even though sometimes I feel like I'm slipping, I just I make it day by day. And at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, I'm here. And not only am I here, but I have the support of my family. Um, I have a great support of friends, and that just keeps motivating me just to like keep just doing better for myself. So I think that's like my new mantra is just like try to be better, try to do one step better, whether it's reading another book or, you know, finding the courage to travel or applying for a new job, um, making new friends, you know, just all of that. But, you know, I mean, when you have anxiety, that kind of hold you back from all of that and you just kind of internalize everything. So I guess feelings too, you know, just like being in the moment and trying to be positive and creating my own reality that is a positive reality and just bringing that also not only just for myself, but people around me. So I've been seeing a lot of that lately for myself and I'm very grateful for that. Nice. Very, very cool. nice. Well, Brittany, thank you again for yeah, being on the show. Of course. Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure talking to thank you. you. <laughs> And um, wish you the best of luck yeah. with kind of the stage you're in, um, which sounds like you're moving towards some exciting stuff and some oh, yeah. new self-discovery, which is great. And I will keep everyone posted on my uh, quitting journey yeah. here. We'll see how I feel next week after I've got like a little more under my belt. I'll keep everyone posted on Floyd's adventures. Yeah. yeah. Adventures <laughs> of Floyd. I see a new Instagram account. I Army. know. Oh you should God. just make one about Floyd. Isn't that a cats thing too? There's like cats of Instagram. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a whole hashtag movement. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So many photos to share now. Okay. Now I know what to do on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, I got it's it. Hashtag Perfect. cat dad. <laughs> All right, everybody keep talking about your feelings. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.